0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church weekly podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, I'm excited this morning because we're starting a new series on one of my favorite topics, hearing the voice of God, hearing God speak. Before we jump in this morning, would you take just a second and pray with me one more time? Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, I ask that you would bless us this morning with a spirit of revelation and understanding that we could know you more. Father, I pray you bless us with eyes to see, bless us with ears to hear. Father, that our hearts would be like good soil. We'd receive what you have for us and it'd bring forth fruit in our lives. Holy Spirit, we look to you to be our teacher, to bring revelation. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> not, not quite a year ago, my family and I moved from a home where we'd lived for over 18 years, and we moved into a new house. And if you've ever been through that process of moving, especially if you've lived and where you're moving from for a long time, then maybe you can identify with the challenge it can be to pack up everything. And you've you've got to go through everything. And if again, if you've been there a while, you've kind of gotten your roots down and there might be areas of your house that you really haven't cleaned out or explored in quite a long time. So uh, drawers that collect junk, the back of the closet, the corner of the basement, you're going through stuff and finding stuff that you didn't even know you had or you you know you hadn't even thought of for years so as we were doing that one of the things that I felt like I kept locating were, were random keys I, I would just find a key here or there or a, a few keys on a keychain and think what in the world are these are these keys too? I, I had them at one point. Obviously, they, they went to something. There was a reason that I had these keys, and just trying to think, what did they go to? I, they must be important, but I couldn't think of it, so I would you know, set them aside. Just maybe, Maybe it'll occur to me what these go to, but it never dawned on me. So they just kind of got lost in the shuffle again or maybe they got thrown away, I don't know. When you don't know what benefit the key is to you, what it goes to or what role that it plays in your life, what it opens up, then it's really easy to misplace it or not care for it or just toss it aside and let it just kind of get lost in the mix. But on the other hand, when it's a key that you know that you need and you know that it's beneficial, you keep those keys where you know where they are at all times. I've even got a little thing on my keychain that I can push a a thing on my phone and it makes a little sound go off. So if I... I lose it. I can locate it or I can look on GPS and find my keys because they're they're important, right? If you've ever lost your keys, you you might know a little bit of the panic that sets in. Oh my goodness, I've got to find my keys. You're ripping couch cushions off. You're requiring your kids, no food until we find my keys. You're you're calling friends and calling the grocery store. Have you found a set of keys? Because you know, I need those keys. So you put a high value on them. Amen. So just a little lesson about keys. But something similar happens when you find keys from the word of God, if somebody shares keys with you, but you don't really see what what the point is or what the value is, then you can handle it carelessly maybe you jot it down in a notebook or you just file it away somewhere in your mind but you don't hold on to it and cherish it because you don't see what what does this what role does this play in my life but if you see man this is something i need i see how this is going to benefit me i see how i can use this on a regular basis i need this key from the word of god then you hold on to it and and you cherish it so this morning as we begin this series on on hearing god speak i just want to lay the foundation and really try to To stir up a hunger, a desire that what we talk about over these next few weeks, it's valuable. It's important. When we talk about keys to hearing the voice of God, identifying when he speaks to me, knowing that it's him, it's not just some random piece of theological information. I need these keys and I'm going, I'm going to cling to them. It's important that God's people know how to hear his voice and identify when he speaks them. It's, it's important for a number of reasons. One reason it's important is just as you navigate through life, the decisions that you face, who to marry, how to raise your kids. Do you take that job? Do you sell the house? Do you take advantage of that opportunity? Do you avoid those people? I mean, so many decisions you need. If you want to stay on course, you want to stay on track. You need to learn how to hear the voice of God. If he's going to lead you and guide you, it's important. There's lots of decisions people, people have to make and you, Your entire life can hinge on those decisions. You don't want to just make it in your own wisdom. You need the wisdom of God and figure out how do I get that wisdom? How do I consult with him and and hear what he has to say? It's important that we hear the voice of God because I I believe that we live in the the end days, the, the end times these are the final moments before Jesus returns. We've talked about it before. We could talk in detail about what's happened over the last couple of years in Bible prophecy and how you can see very clearly Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. The things that he said were going to happen, we're seeing them happen all around us. But one of the things that he warned is in the, the, end, the end times, the last days, which is now, that the love of many would grow cold and that there would be a lot of people who were serving him, but that they would become deceived. If that's the time that we live in, and I believe it is, that means... People are in the process of being deceived. You could make the argument, you know, it's always been important that God's people know how to hear his voice. But maybe today, more so than ever before, it's critical that believers know how to identify the voice of God so that they don't get deceived. That they're able to be crystal clear. I know that's not the voice of God. And I know that this is the voice of God. That the enemy would not be able to pull us off track. You know, it's important that we hear the voice of God. Just from the sense of having a flourishing relationship with the Lord, being able to hear him speak to us and know what, know what he's saying, just for the sake of communion and relationship. Now, as we begin to talk about hearing God speak, there are some people that don't believe that God speaks into our situations today. That was maybe for, for long ago, but now that we have God's word, and thank God for his word, there are people that believe outside of the word of God, that he no longer speaks to specific people, specific situations, uh, what they're going through, that we just have the word of God. And I'm not trying to belittle the word of God at all. But in this series, what we want to do is just consult the word of God and see if that's true or not. See what, see what it says. If we can believe that he, he still speaks today. There are some people that when you begin to talk about hearing God speak, don't like the topic or the idea because they have seen how people who are are claiming to hear from God have used the Lord told me as license to do some crazy, nonsensical things. And you see how people uh, attribute it to, no, God God told me to do this thing. that's clearly something God would not instruct someone to do. And so you become very wary of people claiming to have heard from God. In some cases, rightly so. But if that happens, and it does happen, To me, that's not reason to avoid the subject altogether. If people use hearing from God as an excuse to be crazy and do whatever, that's not reason to set the topic aside. That's reason to press in and find out how to really hear from God. If people say they heard something and it got them off track, well, then let's, let's learn how to hear with clarity and understanding and not just close that possibility altogether. So so the first question, as we kind of lay the foundation today, is just the question, does God still speak today? Is that a realistic expectation? Do we have valid reason to begin to look for the voice of God in our lives in addition to the Word of God? We'll talk about the Word of God, how it's the primary way He speaks. It's the foundation of what He speaks. But does He speak beyond that? One way we can approach it is just thinking logically using our intellect to think through, is it it realistic to expect that God, the one who spoke the the earth into existence, that he would speak into your situation? Well, we know that God knows everything, right? We know that he is all-knowing. There's nothing hidden from God. So God knows everything, and he knows you. He, he, He made you. He designed you. He knew you as he was forming you in your mother's womb. He knew knew your days. And he doesn't just know you. The Bible says that he loves you. He loves you with an incredible love, a love that's beyond even our ability to grasp. It's so deep and so strong, so high and so wide. So a God that knows everything and knows you, knows the plans that he has for you, and he loves you and wants what is best for you, is it logical that a God like that would remain silent and watch you struggle through situations when he knows the answer. He knows what you should do and shouldn't do, and he wants you to make the right decision because he loves you, and he has the ability to speak to you. Would he use that ability? Is it logical? I think it's logical to expect a God like that would want to speak and want to have communication with you. So part of it, just to be able to help us navigate like we said, but you know, another part of it is relationship. You hear people say all the time, you know, Christianity, it's not religion, it's It's relationship, and it's true. But communication is a very central part of any healthy relationship. That It, it, in a lot of ways, determines the strength or the weakness of that relationship is the quality of the communication that's taking place. If I said that I'm gonna stop communicating with my wife, you know, we've been married for a while now, it's a fairly healthy relationship, I'm just gonna stop talking to her. What do you think that would do to the health of our marriage? It would be difficult, if not impossible, to keep a healthy relationship with someone you said, I'm, I'm no longer going to talk to you. So thank God that he wants to guide us and direct us, but you know, sometimes we're in situations where you don't need to hear yes or no. You don't need to hear take the job or don't take the job. You don't need to hear move your family or don't move your family. You're, you're not really needing any large decision direction. Maybe what you're needing to hear is just, I love you. I'm with you. You're pleasing me. That's that's what God needs to speak into your situation. So one navigation. Another one is just relationship. So we can kind of think through it logically and say, you know, it makes a lot of sense that God would speak to us still today and not make that something that just happened in people's lives a long time ago. So it's one thing to reason through it and use our logic and come to that conclusion. But when we go to the Bible, as you read through the word of God, it's almost impossible to not come away with the conclusion that people can hear from God. People can receive instruction. People can go to God and ask for help and receive it. As you read the stories of Noah and Abraham and Moses and great men and women of God in the Bible, read their stories, you you have to conclude people have the ability to hear God speak to them in their situation. With Noah, God told him what to do, to, to build a large boat, gave him very specific details down to the measurements, the details of this thing that he was supposed to build. He told Abraham, I want you to move and I'm going to show you, you start moving, and I'm going to show you the place where you need to arrive. Then he tells them what's going to happen with his family, the the child that he'd have, and what's going to happen with his ancestors after that. God was speaking to him details about his family and how he should be conducting his life. We know the story of Moses and how God spoke to him over and over again in in different ways. How the kings of Israel would consult with God and not just make their own decisions. The the godly ones wouldn't just launch off on their own initiative, but they would consult with God. Should I do this? Should we go to war? Should we not go to war? And God would respond and give them instruction. King David was one of those kings that would consult with God and expect and receive a response. And we know that David loved the word of God. He, He wrote he wrote the Psalms that are full of referencing how precious God's word is. He had the law or the Torah as the scriptures of his day, and he loved the word. He wrote Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter of the Bible, all about how precious God's word is, how he had hidden it in his heart so that he wouldn't sin against the Lord. So this is not someone who had a low respect for the word of God. He loved God's word. But then there was also situations that the word of God didn't directly speak to. So he would go to God and say, God, I need, you to, I need you to tell me what to do here. I love your word. Thank you for it. But what do I do with the situation that I'm facing? One example is in 1 Samuel chapter 30. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men were living in a, a town called Ziklag. And they were off winning victories. And by the time they got back home, they found that the Amalekites had come and raided their city. And and stolen all of their stuff and taken their families, their wives and their children. Everything was gone. And they're in despair. I mean, they are just heartbroken. And so what does David do? David goes to God and says, God, what do I do? What do I do in a situation like this? Should should I go after them? If I go after them, will I succeed? And he begins to receive answers to his questions. In fact, he begins to receive answers beyond his questions. God says, yeah, you, you should go after them. And you're going to overtake them. You didn't even ask this, but I'll tell you, you're going to recover everything. No, nothing's going to be lost. All of your stuff, your wives, your children, you don't have to worry. So God began to speak to him and give him guidance and direction. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. When Jesus came to establish the covenant that we're in, he said, I'm a good shepherd and my sheep, that's you and I, that we, we know his voice that he guides us and directs us by his voice. He said that my sheep know my voice, the voice of another, they will not follow. The expectation is that he would speak, it would bring us assistance in knowing what to do with our lives and how to navigate through life and just knowing that he's close with us and that he cares for us, that we could hear his voice. Jesus was an example to us, the way that he lived. He didn't say my, my, my walk with the Father is so much different than yours. He said, no, I'm an example for you to follow. And he also said, I don't say anything unless I first hear the Father say it. I don't do anything unless I see that he he was being led by his father. He was setting the expectation that that's the way you and I can live. And you see in the early church, they made decisions with the leading of the Holy Spirit that Peter and Paul, those early, early believers would have God speak into their situation. They they could hear from God. So it is fair from logic, from intellect, from from a, a biblical platform that you and I can expect to hear God speak in our lives today. And obviously God's word is the, the platform, the foundation. But there, again, there's situations that I, I don't have a chapter and verse for. Well, one of the biggest decisions my wife and I ever made was the decision to, to leave where we lived in Delaware and move to West Virginia. The opportunity presented itself. We, we both had jobs. We, we were doing good in Delaware and had an opportunity to move to West Virginia, which obviously has changed the whole course of our life and is affecting us to this very moment. It was a huge decision for us. Do you know how many family members we had in West Virginia at the time? None. Do you know how many friends we had in West Virginia? Zero. Do you know how many acquaintances, people we knew at all in West Virginia? We didn't know anybody. We didn't know anything, but we felt God speaking to us to take that step. My mentor at the time, when I told him I had an opportunity, you know what he told me? said, no way, not West Virginia. Anywhere but you do not want to go to West Virginia. That's what my, the guy who was mentoring me said to me. So what do you do? Well, you, if You can learn how to hear the voice of God and understand when he's speaking he can begin to d- direct your steps. When I don't have, I don't, there's no verse I can go to that says Luke and Beth should or shouldn't move to West Virginia. I, God, I'm, this is a huge opportunity, a huge decision. It's gonna change everything. In, in the natural, it seems like a risky, foolish move. People are telling me straight out, don't do it. But God, what do you say? And we felt the peace of God, to, obviously, to do it. And when you hear from God, it makes what seems foolish in the natural, scary in the natural. The easiest thing, when you, you know, no, I've heard from God on this. It's going to, it's going to be okay. So you and I can have an expectation that we hear from God. And really it should be not some terribly rare thing. It should be a regular part of the Christian life, learning to hear God speak. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter three, John chapter three, as I beat the microphone against this table. John chapter three, we'll read the first first few verses. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we know, obviously, Jesus is letting us know that we've got to be saved. We have to experience salvation, to be born not just once in the flesh, but to be born spiritually by accepting him as savior. And unless we do that, we won't make heaven. So on one level, that that is what Jesus is saying. Unless we are born again, we, we won't see the kingdom of God. But there's more to what he's saying than just someday arriving in heaven. He's talking about the ability to see the kingdom of God. See meaning to perceive, to have the ability of perception in the kingdom of God, in the the realm of the kingdom of God. Sometimes when we talk about the kingdom of God, because it's a very familiar uh, church word, we just kind of have this generic concept. But You you can think of it as a civilization, That there is a very real realm, the kingdom of God. And really, it's the kingdom that's determining everything that happens on earth. It's the kingdom that first spoke the earth into existence. It's from that spiritual realm, the kingdom, the the civilization of God that any of this ever came to be. It's that civilization that will ultimately determine when this age comes to an end. That that is the, the civilization that is really running things. And if you and I aren't born again, then we lack the ability to perceive what is going on in that kingdom. We're blinded to it. We're ignorant to it. We can't break through and gain a grasp on what's happening in the kingdom of of God. Unless one is born again, they can't perceive. But that must also mean if we are born again, if you have accepted Jesus, then you can see that we've been given the privilege we've been given the ability to perceive things in the kingdom in the kingdom of god you know people are not not just physical beings you are a spiritual being and in your spirit you were you were built with designed with powers of perception faculties to be able to hear and to see things in the kingdom. That, that's the realm that you were made for ultimately, to, to live in the civilization, to live in the kingdom of God. That, that's where you were designed to function. When Beth and I found out that she was pregnant for our, our first child, somebody gave us a book called What to Expect When you're expecting, I don't know if people remember that book. I think it was like a a classic, an old standby that people would get when they're, you know, expecting a child. And you could read through it, and it would tell you different stages of development. When you're this pregnant, this is what's going on with your body. This is what's going on with, with the baby. They probably don't have that book anymore. It's probably like just an app that you can consult and find out what's going on. But we we would read that book, and it would be exciting to find out, oh my goodness, the baby is this size, this is what's going on with the baby, this is what's growing, it has toenails, and it would say, you know, at this point in time, your baby's the size of a kumquat, at this point in time, your baby's the size of an avocado, and it would always use, like, vegetables and stuff, which I'm not real familiar with, I'd always have to then go and look up, what in the world is a kumquat, I don't know, we are talking about some watermelon size, I had no idea. It would have been more helpful for me if there would have been like a junk food addiction, uh, addition, just to give me something I understand. At this point in time, your baby's the size of a skittle. Got it. At this point in time, your baby's like a, a fun size Three Musketeers. I, that that I know. Baby keeps growing, the size of a Snickers bar. You're almost, cl- you're close to. Delivery day, the size of a you know a king size, Mr. Goodbar. So I, I could have tracked along with that. The, the vegetables kind of left me in the dark. But you could you could read that book and find out what's going on with your baby, and your baby has developed a lot in the womb. His fingernails and toenails, your baby has feet and hands, your baby has ears and, and eyes and a, a nose, your baby's so, so developed while it's still in the womb. Now, all of those faculties that it has, its feet and its hands, it, its eyes, they're not really that useful in the womb because they weren't made to reach their full potential in that realm. They were made for another realm. And in order for them to be to become relevant. Those feet and those eyes, they're not really relevant in the womb, what they were made to do. In order for them to become relevant, what needs to happen? It needs to leave that realm and be born into another realm, and now all of those faculties have a a key role to play in that child's life. And something similar happens to us when we are born again, born into this realm that you were designed for. That those faculties, those abilities to perceive, you now have the ability to perceive, to hear, and to see, to understand the the things, the things of God. So if you're not born again, you cannot see, can't see the kingdom of God. But on the other end, if you are born again, you can. In fact, it almost becomes a proof that you've been born again, that you have the ability to perceive things, to see and to hear in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? So if you've been born again, you, you have those powers of perception. But learning how to use them is a process. And it's, it's a mark of maturity to have them developed. That's part of maturing as, as a follower of Jesus. You know, if you had a puppy and you, you were excited about it and I got to come over to your house and see your new puppy... And when I got to your house, I looked at your puppy and its eyes were still closed because that's how puppies are for a little while, right? I might see it and say, oh my goodness, I knew you, you told me you had a puppy. I had no idea it was such a young puppy. I mean, this, is, this puppy's not very old at all. And I would be able to see this puppy is very young, very immature because it hasn't yet gained the ability to see. That would be a mark of maturity. It, it, it's similar spiritually. But when a baby is born, When you are born physically, you know, a a baby, as long as it's healthy, you don't teach a baby to hear. A a baby automatically can hear. That's not a skill. But a baby does have to learn how to understand what it's hearing. A baby is born able to hear, but it has to be taught. It has to learn how to apply what it's being told to understand what it's hearing. When, when our children were born, and I knew that they don't have the ability to, to understand what I'm saying, I didn't look at them and say, you know what, when, they, when they're 18, I'll talk to them. I'll talk to you when you're 18. Come back then. No, that, that, that would be ridiculous for a father. If you have children, you, you, didn't, do, you didn't do that either. You don't say, wait wait until you have the ability to understand. That, that's important because sometimes we think that God only speaks to people that are very mature. That it's something only for people that have been serving the Lord a long, long time. That God only speaks to people that are like pros, like traveling evangelists and, and the, the prophets and things like that. That God only speaks to those, to those people. Well, no, God wants to speak to everyone. He doesn't wait until you have the ability to understand. Just like, again, if you're a mom or a dad, like you, even in the delivery room. I remember being in the delivery room as each of our children were born. I began talking to them immediately. It wasn't that I didn't care they couldn't understand me. I wanted to express myself to them. Oh, I, I love you. I, I'm i your daddy. It's so good to meet you. I just began to pour out my heart to them, even though they, someday they'll catch up and they'll begin to understand. But I didn't wait to then to begin to speak. God, God speaks to us. You You have the ability to hear, but there is a process of learning how to understand and how to apply and to identify his voice and to know what he's talking about. So it's not whether God speaks or not. We need to learn how he speaks and we need to learn how to recognize his voice. Turn your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter three, you're super duper quiet, but I'm going to make the assumption that's because you're tuned in and you're listening really close. First Samuel chapter three, we'll start reading in verse one. It says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, for, he, for nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. Now, if you're familiar with the story of the prophet Samuel, Samuel was an amazing, powerful, great man of God that he he was known as someone who could hear the voice of God and he spoke on behalf of God at such a level that the Bible says that God didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. Or or in other words, that everything he said, it hit its mark. His words were powerful. His words were effective. When he spoke, he spoke on on behalf of God. God used him to establish the, the dynasty of kings in Israel. He anointed Saul as the first king. He anointed David as the second king of Israel, a mighty man of God. And this is at the beginning of his story, the first time he ever hears God speak. God comes to him and calls him by name, Samuel. Samuel. So Samuel can hear the voice of God, he can hear it. But what he can't do is understand exactly what it is that he's hearing. So he hears God speak. But he gets up and he runs into Eli's bedroom and say, yeah, you want to drink a water? You need another pillow? What, what What can I get for you? Even though he was hearing properly, he was responding improperly because he didn't have clarity and understanding on what exactly he was hearing. You can hear the voice of God. You can be hearing, maybe you're hearing right now. But without clarity and without certainty, it can cause you to respond in the wrong way. You know, this, this happens in people's life where God will be dealing with their heart about something and they can be hearing God, but not understanding with clarity and respond in a wrong way. You know, sometimes God will begin to deal with people's heart that they, they, I feel like I want to serve God. I want, I want to be used. I want to minister in some fashion. God's dealing with their heart, but they'll make the assumption. They'll jump to an assumption. That must mean I'm supposed to be a pastor. So they take steps to to begin to be a pastor. And if God's calling someone to be a pastor, wonderful. But God can use people to minister in all kinds of different walks. We need people ministering in all kinds of different roles as as businessmen and teachers and, as, and in, in the medical profession. We need people operating all those areas. I know a story of a businessman who felt this same thing, felt like God was dealing with him, he wanted to minister. So he left his business to become a pastor and it, it was a disaster. And he had to... to you go through years of pain and turmoil and eventually go back and understand no, God. God wants to use me to help fund the kingdom and make an impact among business people. That I'm just using it as an example that people can hear from God and if they don't have clarity and understanding, they can actually hear the right thing, not understand it and respond in the wrong way. There was a point when I was in, in Bible school where very intensely I, I wanted to start being used. I wanted God to use me. I didn't, I didn't want to finish school. I was ready to go and tell people about Jesus. So I remember having a conversation with my friends about, I think I'm just going to drop out. I don't, I don't need the school stuff. I don't need the training. I just want to go and do it. And so what will will you do to minister? I don't know. Maybe I'll just like start walking from town to town and telling people, telling people about Jesus. My heart was right. God wanted to stir my heart for ministry, but my response was almost, almost wrong Because I wasn't understanding exactly how he wanted to to lead me. Moses had a similar situation. Did God want to use Moses to deliver the Israelites out from under Egyptian bondage? Uh, Of course he did. That's what God wanted to do. He was stirring that desire in his heart. But before Moses ever came before Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and told him that God had sent him, you remember the story of one day he, he murdered an Egyptian. Is that what God wanted? That's, that's not how God wanted to use him. He was, he was feeling a tug. He was hearing the voice of God. God, this isn't right. Something needs to be done. God was beginning to stir that in him. He heard it, but he misunderstood it, and he responded in an improper, in an improper way. So Samuel hears God speaking, calling him by name, and he jumps to an assumption. Uh, this is what I hear. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm getting. It, it must mean run into Eli's room and consult with him. Verse seven says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now when it says Samuel didn't know the Lord, it's not saying that he had no idea who God was. He he was raised in the tabernacle. He was raised by Eli the priest. The first verse of that chapter says that, that Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. He was serving God. Samuel loved the Lord. He knew stories about God. He was familiar with God, but he just hadn't yet learned to know the voice of God. Maybe that's what your situation is like. It's not that you don't know God. It's not that you don't love God. It's not that you're not serving God. It's just that you haven't yet learned to hear the voice of God and to identify when God when God speaks and I love the way that it's phrased there it says he hadn't yet you know God wants to speak to everyone God wants you to be able to hear him speak to you and if you can hear him speak and he's spoken to you in the past he wants it to become clear he wants it to become frequent he wants to have a rich relationship where he can speak to you and you understand where it's not just murky and I think God is he wants there to be clarity and certainty you know it's hard when you feel like God is saying it's hard to take a step without clarity and certainty. He said he hadn't yet learned to hear the voice of God. Verse ten. Now the Lord. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel responds, "Speak. Your servant is listening." He begins to identify what I'm hearing isn't someone in the other room, what I'm hearing is the voice of God. You know, we, we don't want to hear God and miss it because we assume it's something else. But we also don't want to hear something else and assume that it's God. Because you can make that mistake as well. You, you can hear something, feel something. You know, there's a lot of voices in the world there's the, the voice of people's expectations of you. There's the voice of pride, the voice of accomplishment. There's there's the emotions that sometimes people think is God speaking to them. There's certain desires that people will sometimes attribute that must be God speaking to me. There's certain hormones that people can think that must be God must be God speaking speaking to me. So we've got to be careful, one, that we don't miss God speaking and think it's someone else, but we also don't want to attribute, that's God calling me, directing me, when, it, when it's something else. Samuel almost experienced this. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Samuel goes to Jesse's house, he goes to Jesse's house to, to anoint the next king. And when, when Jesse has his son start to parade in front of Samuel, do you remember what Samuel said to himself when the first son came out? Surely. Surely, this is the anointed of the Lord. Surely, the anointed of the Lord. What was he right or wrong? He, he was wrong. God had to correct him. What, what, was he, what was he being led by? Maybe his own desires? Man, I'd like a king that looks like this guy. His eyes go, going by his, his senses? That those, those were the voices he was listening to, and he almost attributed it to the voice of God, surely. I mean, this this is Samuel. If Samuel needed to guard this, we, we need to guard it. That not everything we hear, everything we feel, every urging, every impression is the voice of God. That's why it's so important we get we get clarity. Surely this is the voice of God. God had to correct him and say, No, no, you, you're looking at the outward appearance. You're mistaking your own desires and your own senses for, for the voice of God. verse 10 it says, Speak, Lord, your servant, your servant is listening. In verse 10, it says, God came and stood before him as at other times, which meant the previous three times that God had come and stood before him. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. So God was coming. The presence of God was so strong and so real. God was standing there, calling Samuel by name, and because he didn't understand it, he was actually moving away from the very presence of God. Because there wasn't clarity, because there was confusion, he he was moving in the wrong direction, leaving the presence of God. But once he got clarity, once he gained understanding, and said, "Speak, Lord, the servant is listening." It it revolutionized his life. It, it moved him from being a, a guy that's running in and aggravating Eli to becoming a man that is leading the nation of Israel, guiding God's people. That once we learn to get clarity and understanding and learn how to identify when God is speaking to us, it, it moves us from being aggravated and aggravating to being impactful and useful in the hand of God, that what you were designed for, what God is calling you to, that you become empowered to put your hand to those things with great effect Effectiveness to be the man, to be the woman God has called you to be, to impact other people the way Samuel did. But a key part of that, and being able to step into that, is learning to hear God speak. It is so important that you and I learn how to get clarity when God is speaking to us. Later in Samuel's life, actually right after Samuel's life, Samuel ministers to the people of God, helps lead the nation. King Saul regularly consulted with Samuel when he needed to know what God was saying. But Samuel wasn't around forever. And after he died, King Saul needed to hear from God. I want to read these verses to you from 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel 28 starting in verse 3. It says, Now Samuel had died. And all Israel lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul... Had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams. Or by Urim Or by the prophets Saul found himself in a situation Where he needed to hear from God He was in a situation, he needed to know what to do. There was an army against him. He saw how many there were. Man, I'm in a a bad spot. I need a word from God. So he inquires of God, and it says that God wasn't responding. No matter what he did, he wasn't getting dreams. He was casting sacred lots. God's not saying anything. He's consulting with the prophets. He's doing everything he knows to do, and it's silence. I read this passage earlier this week, and I, I sat and I cried because of the despair you would feel knowing there's no way for me to hear from God. I need direction. God, I need to hear your voice and it to be just silent. Now, if you know the life of Saul, you know what kind of man he was, that he was proud, he was arrogant, he was insecure, he he made decisions based just on self-preservation and what was best for him, he was disobedient to the instruction of God, so over the course of his life, while sometimes he could hear through someone else, when he needed to hear for himself, he had been positioning himself and building a a, a lifestyle, directing the, the ear of his spirit man in a way, he got to a point where he could could not receive a word from God. And for someone to end up in that spot, to me, is one of the most horrific things to imagine. That, that God doesn't answer. That God doesn't respond. that I lose my ability to know the voice of God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear. That word incline means to position, to get in a spot, to, to make decisions where you, where you get yourself lined up right so you can hear. Now, if you can, if you can make decisions to position yourself, incline your ear, if I can do things that help me understand what God is saying, there's also things I need to stop doing. There's things that you can do to be like Saul and position yourself. You can, you can do the opposite of inclining your ear. You can stop up your ear by behaving like just doing what you think is best, being selfish, being disobedient. You can conduct yourself in a way where you can get to a spot and you lose the ability to hear what God is saying. In this series, what we want to do is incline our ears. Find out, God, what does your word have to say? How can I be a man or a woman that is sensitive to your leading? That when you speak, it's loud and clear to me. That I know your whispers. I know your heart, God. I want to remove the things from my life that would cause me to be calloused and dull and be like King Saul. I want. I want to have an ear that is sensitive. I want to incline my ear to hear. And this morning, again, all I want to do is stir up a desire that as we move through and talk about these keys, that they're not something that we take lightly. I, I see how I need to do everything necessary to be a man or a woman that has the ability to identify when God speaks to me. Turn quickly to 1 Kings chapter 3, and then we'll pray. 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. This is when God appears to King Solomon. We'll start in verse 4. It says, Now the king, talking about King Solomon, went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You've continued with great, this great kindness for him, And you've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. When we talk about King Solomon, a lot of times we'll refer to this passage and talk about how Solomon asks for wisdom. And in a sense, he did that's not exactly what he asked. He asked for an understanding heart or literally in the Hebrew, a hearing heart. He understood that if if I'm going to, if I'm not going to make a mess of my life, if I'm not going to ruin this thing, what, what I need is I need to be able to hear God. He was, he knew he was in over his head. God, I'm like, I'm like a child. I don't even I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't He said, I don't know how to go out, I don't know how to come in. I don't even know the basics of operating in this role. Now, you and I maybe have never been king of Israel, but maybe there's situations where you feel like, man, I don't even know where to start in this position at work, as a husband, as a wife, as a single young Christian person, as a mom, as a dad, as, as a, a teenager trying to serve the Lord. I don't even know where to begin. God, I'm so far in over my head. God says, What, what do you want? He had this insight to say, God, if I could just hear you, if you give me the ability to hear you speak, you know what he was describing? He was describing what he was experiencing in the moment. God comes to him and says, Solomon, ask what you want. He knew the presence of God, the voice of God. And it was so sweet and so wonderful to be able to hear God speak. God said, you can have whatever you want. He said, you know what? I want this. I want this. I I love being able to hear you speak to me. I never want this to end. If I could have anything in the world, what I want is to continue to be able to know your voice. And I know if I can know your voice, I'm set for life. If If I can have your wisdom, your insight, and your understanding. So the first step for us as we begin this series, as we kind of get this ball rolling, is to follow the example of Solomon. He said, God, above anything else, I want a hearing heart, not just hearing. I want an understanding to hear, and to understand. And when he asked that, what was God's response? It says that it pleased God. God began to smile. There was was someone that said, God, I want to hear your voice above anything else. I know your voice, fellowship with you, your insight, your wisdom. I want to know you at that level. It pleased, it pleased God. In just a couple of minutes, that I just want to take some time this morning and pray along those lines. God, give us hearing hearts. Give us understanding hearts. Let let me read one last verse before we do that. I'm going to give you a memory verse. So you can write this down. This is your memory verse. Next week, we're going to line you up across the platform. Pastor Jonathan's been working on a chart where we're going to put stickers for people that know their memory verse. Actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. This is one of my favorite verses. He awakens me morning by morning. And he awakens my ear to hear. God, awaken our ears to hear. Awaken us. Awaken our ears to hear. And he doesn't just say to hear. There's a specific way he's saying God wants to awaken our ears. How? To hear as the learned. Have you ever been around people that are very knowledgeable in a subject and they're talking about it and you're not as knowledgeable as they are? And so you might be nodding along, but you really don't understand what they're saying. No? Well, it happens to me. It happens to me a lot. Where people will be talking about, you know, people in the medical profession or people that are very knowledgeable about financial things. And they'll, they'll use terms, they'll use abbreviations, and they'll, they'll just be talking. And I'll just kind of nod along and try to not look ignorant. But I, I don't really know what they're saying because there's a, there's a way you can hear but it's different to be someone who is learned that means you understand i'm not just receiving like like Samuel not just to hear but to understand he awakens my ear not just to hear god wants to awaken your ear cause it to come alive cause it to grow and mature that you not just hear but you hear as the learned that when god speaks god i know exactly what you mean i know exactly what you want me to do about that god I, i've i've got it it's, you've made it clear to me god he wants you to hear as the learned so we're we're gonna pray along those lines. I want you to memorize that, meditate on it, get it in your heart. God, you awaken me morning by morning and you awaken my ear to hear as the learning. He doesn't want you to speak to you in some confusing riddle that you don't even know what, what, what to do with it. I want you to hear as the learning. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.